Hello and welcome to the Lancet Psychiatry Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about an issue in global mental health, uh, which relates to a review we've just published. I'm joined by the author. Would you like to uh, introduce yourself? Hi, yes. Niall, thanks very much for having me. My name is Gareth Nokia. I'm a psychiatrist at the Department of Psychiatry at uh, Stellenbosch University in Cape Town. Okay, and uh, could you just tell us what your paper is about? What's the title of it? Our paper is a systematic review of the effectiveness of traditional healers in treating mental illness and mental disorders. Okay, and that sort of brings up the first question, which which I guess I have and a lot of other people would have, which is that um, psychiatry has had a really long, hard struggle uh, over the past uh, 100 years to be accepted and respected as uh, this sort of modern evidence-based medical specialty. So why the focus on traditional healers, which some would say is, is the exact opposite of that? Well, yeah, that's a very good question. The main motivation uh, for this paper was that um, it turns out that people go to traditional healers a great deal. They're very widespread in the developing world, certainly where there's a great mental health treatment gap. So many people don't get treatment, uh, conventional treatment, for psychiatric disorders, and many people then go to traditional healers for treatment. And also then in the developed world, in the UK, for example, many Muslim people go to see their Muslim clerics for traditional or faith healing. In the USA, uh, there's Native American healing, which is very popular. And in fact, all over the world, it turns out that traditional healers are greatly used in mental health. And our review is part of a, a larger collaborative project funded by the National Institute of Health in the US, um, which is collecting data and working towards improved mental health care delivery, specifically in Africa, and specifically by collaborating with traditional healers. So we want to know, we wanted to know, what is the effectiveness, the current effectiveness of traditional healers in treating uh, mental illness. I suppose the first question is, what is what is tradition? So some people would say, for instance, homeopathy is being traditional healing, but I, I think that doesn't come under your definition, does it? Yes, exactly. So one of the challenges when we um, put together this review was in finding suitable definitions which we could use um, and keep it systematic and keep it as objective as possible. And the existing definitions of traditional healing, um, for example, by the World Health Organization, are actually not suitable. They concentrate on words like indigenous or on the fact that the healing must have a long history. And that really includes a whole sort of heterogeneous collection of healing methods, as you say, homeopathy, chiropractic, faith healing, all these things. It's just a huge array. And we um, wanted to focus on something which was sort of inherent to a particular class of healing. So the definition which we used um, in this review was any form of healing in which the healer makes explicit use of a sort of spiritual or religious or magical uh, causation. And that, in fact, includes most of African traditional healing as we know it here in Africa and South Africa. It also includes a huge number of traditional healers in South America, um, in North America, all over the world. And by virtue of being kind of religious or magical, they happen to also fit the World Health Organization definition by being quite local and culturally specific and also generally having a long history. But we didn't use that in our definition. So I suppose you could say our traditional healers are 
magical religious healers. And that brings up a real issue when you're pulling all these studies into a systematic review framework, because one of the things you want to look at in the systematic review is quality. And that partly relies on the amount of money that's behind the study, the, the sort of the logistics of it. But also, I think the idea of quality in most people's minds would be uh, would include something like a randomized controlled trial. And when you're talking about the explicit use of these methods, that surely precludes the RCT as I think most people would understand it. Yes, no, certainly. So any of these traditional healing methods are extremely complex interventions. A complex intervention is an intervention which consists of many different parts which uh, interact with each other in a sort of non-additive way. So we can't, we can't, we don't have the luxury of being able to pull out one aspect of sort of a magical religious healing encounter and, and test that one aspect. You have to go for the whole package, which is quite unlike testing drugs in psychiatry, which we can take out the effect and look only at the effect of the drug by comparing it to a placebo, which is what we do in an RCT. So a proper RCT is, is really impossible when testing such a complex intervention. The best we can do is try and find other um, interventions to compare it to, and it has been compared to, in some of our reviewed studies, they compared people going to traditional healers to people going to the local community clinic, um, sometimes comparing religious healers to lay psychotherapists, but certainly there's nothing approaching an RCT here. So our level of evidence, when looked at from the rigorous sort of viewpoint of psychiatry, um, is not very good. And one of the, well, it could be one of the joys or one of the disadvantages of mental health, which is that though there are certain sort of common experiences and factors all over the world, many experiences are different or experienced differently, expressed differently, depending on the culture in which an individual exists. And so when you're looking at the question of traditional healers, does the presentation of the patient come into this as well? What kinds of things would people be coming to these healers with? Would they be things which fit nicely into DSM or ICD, or is it less tangible and much broader than that? Well, yeah, absolutely. So there's, the experience of mental illness is, um, or of psychological symptoms is, is very different depending on one's culture. And the expression of it is markedly different between, for example, Western societies and more developing, developing societies. Also behind that, the, the, understanding or the, the understanding of distress is very different. In Western society, we've got um, sort of an implicit mental and physical distinction on which psychiatry is largely based and certainly the psychiatric diagnostic system. In most of the developing and traditional cultures, there's no distinction between the physical and the mental. So that comes through in the studies which we reviewed, in which very few of them had actually used psychiatric diagnoses. Some of them did. Some of them were um, studies were done by psychiatrists in a traditional setting. But the majority of them sort of grouped a whole lot of complaints together, and very often including quite a lot of somatic complaints, because certainly in many developing countries, somatization is a very common presentation of mental distress. So our patient groups in these studies were often very heterogeneous. And what we had to do, we had to try and only include studies which gave us um, some sort of psycho measurable psychological result. Even if half of the complaints were physical in nature, we still looked for a psychological result. And in other studies which just lumped all psychiatric complaints together, we had to make a generalization over 
over all those psychiatric complaints. Now let's just talk about the type of treatment. And you've given the sort of broad definition. I think that the type of treatment is something which I guess clinicians get a bit worried about because every intervention, whatever type it is, whether it's a drug, whether it's a psychological intervention, whether it's a social intervention, uh, whether it's a traditional intervention, uh, does have the uh, potential for harm as well. And it would be interesting to know a bit more about the sort of diversity, the types of treatments, and whether there are any treatments which on, on the face of it might have some adverse effects as well. Yeah, all the magical religious healing traditions which we included in our review they're actually all, from a broad perspective, uh, are remarkably similar. Uh, I noted when I was preparing this review and I had my papers um, on the desk in front of me, when I came in in the morning and started reading a paper without looking at the title, uh, it was difficult sometimes to tell whether I was reading about traditional healing in Africa or reading about it um, in Indonesia. The overall template is very much the same in that there's a supernatural sort of causation usually um, which is sought, there's some form of divination, there's explanation, and then there's usually some form of, form of a ritual or ceremony um, which is used to promote healing or promote personal transformation. That's the basic template. And then even where physical means of treatment are used, for example, if they use herbs um, or sometimes uh, starvation, uh, which again comes to harm, even where these physical treatments are used, they've more than often, more than not, got a, a symbolic or magical uh, or religious uh, meaning behind them. That's the form of treatment which usually happens. In terms of actual harms, there are lots of anecdotes and case reports of harms which traditional healers do visit on their patients. Uh, in the African set, there's quite frequent chaining, chaining up, starvation, sometimes beating. And uh, this happens probably all over the world. I can't remember the exact uh, num numbers partly because there have been no surveys of how often these sorts of um, harms occur. In our review, we didn't look at any harms um, because there's not, well, there's not enough surveys to actually do a review. They do occur, and uh, part of the broader project, the collaborative project, which this review is a part of, will look at those harms and will look at, when we look at collaborating between traditional healers and conventional care, we'll look at ways of um, trying to minimize those harms and bring them down. And that's going to be, I think, one of the big challenges for uh, global mental health, where clearly we want to build services from the grassroots, but there will, unfortunately, as, as you suggest, be times when that clashes with ideas about universal human rights. And I, I foresee those as being really quite difficult negotiations, maybe. Absolutely. We've also done um, the second, well, following on from our review, we've been looking at some qualitative data from interviews with traditional healers and with conventional psychiatric nurses in, in three African countries. And we found that although both sides are very, very keen to work with each other, each side is fairly stubborn about what they believe they can do for the other patients and what the other side can't do. So, for example, most, most of the African traditional healers in our focus groups firmly believe that mental health care is outside the remit of conventional psychiatry because they believe it's got a, a supernatural cause. And as a consequence of that, they are very reluctant, perhaps, to take advice from conventional psychiatrists, although they also they do try not to harm the patient. The general feeling is that the traditional healers are extremely sincere 
um, in wanting the best for their patients. So let's just return to your review now. And if you could just give me the main findings. Now, as I understand, the data wasn't really suitable for a meta-analysis. Yeah, that's right. We eventually found 32 papers which looked at a quantitative outcome uh, of mental illness uh, being treated by traditional healers. And we rated those by quality in an um, in a objective way. The general quality of them wasn't that good, but we can still draw some conclusions, partly because we have to. You know, We have two options. One is to draw some conclusions on imperfect data, and the other option is to have no idea what, whatsoever what the effectiveness is. What we tended to find is that for the more minor or common mental disorders, such as uh, minor depression, anxiety, somatization, and the sort of traditionally neurotic disorders, we found that there was a tendency that most people who attended the traditional healer found the intervention to be useful and helpful in many ways. What was interesting is that very often with that helpfulness and usefulness um, and the benefit they get from that intervention, the patients didn't necessarily report an improvement in psychiatric symptoms. So this, in a way, is uh, quite different to traditional psychiatry where we're very much focused on symptoms. These patients were saying they felt a lot better, but, for example, their sleep might not have improved, or even perhaps their mood might not have improved. And it seems that what the healers are doing in this case is they're, providing, they're giving ritual and a ceremony which provides meaning and explanation about what's happened. It puts the illness and puts the suffering in context, um, which people find uh, very useful in many ways. We also found that expectation and belief is obviously very, very important here. Three studies which we reviewed did measured expectations before the healing intervention and then measured the subjective outcomes after the healing intervention. And without fail, obviously, there was a huge correlation between pre-healing expectations and actual outcome. And certainly the use of ritual and ceremony and the fact that the healers are sanctioned by society increases the degree of expectation and belief in the positive outcome, which is really useful um, in terms of the healing intervention. So in terms of the, the minor or more minor mental disorders, we found that the interventions from traditional healers were helpful, certainly for those who believed in the healers and chose to go to them. But for psychosis, uh, what we call psychotic disorders, not much of an effect? Not so much. So mm. um, there were a number of papers which looked mostly at um, psychotic disorders, um, schizophrenia and mania, and they tended to find that although there was often an improvement um, or some improvement in symptoms, that improvement might uh, typically took around two to three months and was difficult really to separate out from the natural course of illness. One of the other papers looked specifically at Tourette's syndrome and OCD, and both of these are, you know, both compulsions and obsessions and tics are very, um, are quite neuropsychiatric in character and not, not particularly amenable to a psychosocial intervention. And this paper found out that there was almost no effect from traditional healers in Bali in treating these very sort of neuropsychiatric symptoms. So traditional healers really should be viewed as a useful psychosocial intervention for people who believe in them. And they really can be quite useful when there's an expectation and belief. And that prompts me to speculate, if, if you'll bear with me here, that, that you mentioned that 
that effect on you know depression and and, and anxiety and so on that kind of d level and uh, type of disorder and it just put me in mind of this thing which is quite commonly talked about in people who deal with psychological treatment research which is the the sort of dodo hypothesis they all have won and all shall have prizes i think that's from alice in wonderland the notion that what label you put on the intervention doesn't matter that much. What matters is the therapeutic alliance. And I, I just wonder if a bit of that might be coming through here. Absolutely, absolutely. So another finding from uh, this review is that it seems that amongst the heterogeneity that we find of the different sort of healing traditions and amongst individual healers, even in the same village, there's a lot of variability. Two of the studies found that one or two of the healers themselves we're actually getting much better results than other healers in apparently the same village. So some individuals seem to be much more able to form a good therapeutic alliance and get much better results. And clearly the analogy here, or the um, there's strong analogies to psychotherapy, and in fact any psychiatric encounter, where one, belief and expectancy in the outcome is really, really, import really important. That includes trust in the uh, healer and where social sanction might be an important uh, part in traditional healing, for psychiatrists, it might be having your certificates on the wall, for example, to increase belief and expectation. And then also the individual qualities of the healer or psychiatrist or psychotherapist uh, are very, very important. There's a lot of analogies between uh, a traditional psychotherapeutic intervention and then traditional healing. And I think one of the great areas of interest over the, the years and, and decades to come will be looking for those points of commonality and to, to find out what traditional healing might tell us in uh, high-income countries who maybe don't use these methods so much, what it can tell us about psychotherapies uh, which are established and new psychotherapies and really looking for common mechanisms and factors. Absolutely, yes. When I was reading through these papers and um, digesting them, I... I kept notes about what can psychiatry in a way learn, what can psychiatry be reminded of from these studies of traditional healers. Because none of, none of the traditional healing observations here are new to psychiatry, but the fact that these psychosocial interventions get such good results for psychosocial problems and people continue to go to them and invest so much value in these healers just goes to show how important non-specific interventions are. So that'll be the non-drug interventions, the power of the interaction in psychiatry. Thank you very much, Gareth. I think that's a good point for us to end on today. Just to say that that paper on uh, traditional healers and mental health is free to download from the Lancet Psychiatry website. So for now, thank you very much again, Gareth, for joining us. And thank you to you, the listener, for downloading this podcast. I hope that you'll join us again next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>